You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings has given you a free shot at one of the million-dollar top prizes when you download and sign up using promo code THPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. It's easy to play. Pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning. Then sit back and follow the action. The red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be winning some green. Rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course with the pros, DraftKings is giving you the chance to scratch the competitive itch and reign supreme. Download DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at $1 million top prize. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. I have to read something to lock that in, to lock it down. And uh, here comes our first segue is Mason's in fucking lockdown again. How are you, bud? I'm bored. How are you? (laughs) Uh, Lockdown free because in the great south, we don't believe in rules. So we're just fucking living on the edge. Bourbon Street is, is fucking packed. I'm sure the plague is back and... We're just living it one day at a time. It's Easter today. Uh, like I said before, I wasn't sure if Canada uh, does anything for Easter. But if you do, happy Easter. Yeah, it's it's a Christian thing. But, like, I think everyone just celebrates it because it's chocolate day. It's chocolate day. What's your favorite Easter candy? I actually hate candy so much. But I used to get, like, a white chocolate bunny. Because I'm weird and I like white chocolate. Me too. You want to know why I like white chocolate? Why is that? Because I grew up allergic to chocolate. You were allergic <laughs> to chocolate? Yeah, and I still ate it. That's why I'm so fat. Uh, <laughs> fucking, no, um, if I ate chocolate as a kid, i get like a hot ear. i get a hot ear and like um, my face would get super warm. Um, so they just told me to stop fucking eating it. But I was like, well, white chocolate's not chocolate. So, because it's, it's white, and uh, so I yeah, eat everything white chocolate. <laughs> that is the biggest like chubby kid justification. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, dude, you're telling like an you know like no, I wouldn't say an infant, Jesus. Uh, you're telling like a small child in the South where you know food is everything that they can have what every other kid wants and gets. So, like, imagine like my entire life in elementary school. Or whatever the fuck you guys call it, um, where it's like, hey, we brought candy for the class, and it's chocolate, and I'm like, word, can't have any of that, you know. And then I didn't like the the flavor of chocolate for like a long time. I just hadn't had it. Like I had my first brownie when I was in high school. That was revolutionary. Yeah, I bet. I bet that brownie was revolutionary. Dude, we were skating, uh, you know, the dystopian city because it's, you know, right after Katrina. And uh, I was high. It was right when I started smoking weed and shit. And my buddy was just like, yo, I know you're starving, dog. <laughs> I got a brownie. I was like, man, I'm allergic to chocolate. Still using that, you know, because I'm just so used to saying that. It's like, dude, just try it. 
Bro, I ate that brownie so far quick, dog. Are you still allergic to chocolate? I don't know. But I eat it. I eat it like <laughs> when I want, you know. There's no rules against me. You know, I, I control my destiny now. I mean, I'm over 18. Fair enough. So, yeah, we're in uh, we're in lockdown again in Ontario. It's uh, pretty frustrating, to say the least. Not a lot's going on. My gyms are closed again. I just signed a petition to reopen the gyms. We're at 25,000 signatures. So that's some exciting news. Um, the gym never closed down here. How crazy is that? I think it closed for like two months. Oh, like I totally understand why the gyms are closed. Like, don't get me wrong. I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm just so yeah. People are, people have passed the, the fear of it. And then just like, yo, dog, like, we're just coexisting with it at this point. Well, I just fucking, like. I want to get I, my protein shake in me and knock back some fucking weights, dog. Like, you're making me sound like a bonehead. <laughs> but lockdown is the easiest way of preventing COVID if people lock down. But the longer this takes and the more like at least in Ontario, we keep flip-flopping. We'll lock down, we'll get under a thousand cases and then they'll open it up. And then a week later, we're back to over a thousand cases a day. It's the, like they, they should just lock it down and just be done with it. Right. But they didn't. And now they keep opening it up and locking it down and each lockdown, less people listen to the rules. At this point, it's not going to fucking work. I'm just, subject to knowing that i've just accepted that the only way it's gonna work is we fucking vaccinate everyone and i think i I think i have the mindset that a lot of people in ontario have at least where i'm just so frustrated because the last year of my life i've lived by these guidelines and i've just watched everybody piss away my um contribution or my like what i've given up yeah so i just want my fucking gym back man (laughs) Right. I just need something. You guys have to implement some type of a uh, fear system. Like, oh, people like, don't care. Create a there, task there's, force. There's fines and like, like there are people who, um, who are getting, cause like our, our local health units are, mm-hmm. uh, tasked with like basically telling people if you don't court, you've been listed as a, um, what's it called? A, a high, risk contact yeah so you need to quarantine if you don't we're gonna you it's like a big fine it's a couple thousand dollars okay. and people just ignore the the, the letters and like the, the, I didn't what, get what are they gonna do right like i don't give a shit yeah um, yeah i would i would create a task task force and just like smuggle them to florida like you want to be a fucking joke we're gonna bring you down <laughs> south to florida and we're just gonna dump you off and we're gonna give you like i don't know like 20 bucks and you can flip that in whatever way you you can imagine, um, you know, to you survive. A plane ticket, twenty dollars. A plane ticket? No, I'm talking like like a shitty '98 vehicle. You know, bad gas mileage. Put them in the back of the trunk. Just fucking send them. Send them with like five. So you people. want like like a shitty family trip to Florida? Yeah, like very, like you want them. You want to instill how much they're losing right off the bat. Like put them in an Astro, if you if you know what an Astro van is, put them in an Astro van with the seats missing, and it's got the uh, the seats along the side of the doors, so the entire floor plan is open, and you're sitting up against the back of it, so your your back is constantly getting like burnt from the hot ass window and shit. That's just evil. I've been through that. That that was uh, that was kid kid daycare. I mean, you had to have been through that because that was way too descriptive. Yeah, dude. Astro vans, man. You want to ruin somebody's life? Introduce an Astro van into the fucking game. But um, yeah, dude. You know, no one's no one's scared of the shit anymore. Uh, like you said, pe- people have done people, people have done die. what they were supposed to do. Yeah, you're right. My my Mimi passed away from this shit. Um, but yeah, no one. The the scare factor is gone. The people that have are fed up because they've done what they were supposed to do while like young kids, you know, that that like are as young as Mason <laughs> are doing dumb shit constantly and it's it's fucking 
you know, it's fucking our side over too. Problem is though, for y'all is that like our side, we're like throwing vaccinations out like it's candy. And I don't think it's getting dispersed to y'all as quick as it is for us. Oh, that's avoid avoiding politics as much as we can. Um, I think that has a lot to do with uh, leadership too, right? Like <laughs> the way our vaccinations in Canada have been held is just, it's all, it's all provincial. So the federal government doesn't really have anything to do with it. So you have some provinces are vaccinating way younger and they're way ahead. And it's just a mess. Right. COVID, you think after a year and a bit of this, countries would have figured out how to deal with it. And clearly we haven't. But to speak on, you know, people don't give a shit. You're right. And what we're seeing in Vancouver with the Canucks, I think it's just a big example of how scary the shit is. There's now the Brazilian variant in that locker room. They're up to, they're at 14. I was watching uh, TS, no, sport, the Sportsnet feed last night. And there were As 14. of this morning, there's 20. Yeah, and as of this morning, there's 20. You're going to tell me that entire fucking team that locker room, the entire staff, they probably all have it. And consider that their family, that's a big, you're talking hundreds, hundreds of people who probably have, are at least high risk mm-hmm. who have contracted that strain of the virus. And I don't know how Vancouver finishes the season. You know, we've had Joel Armia's out. KK was a contact. He didn't have it. Armia's still out. So imagine if, if all our guys had it, we'd be still locked down. We wouldn't be playing hockey right now. That's what Vancouver's going through, especially this late into the season. The NHL is talking about rescheduling, and I think you just got to fucking shut it down. Reschedule the games, have teams play each other more, whatever you have to do, but it's not going to be fair. Some teams are going to have not get to play Vancouver as much as others. It's going to be a little bit bullshit. I understand that. We got our nine. <laughs> yeah, but we, you know, we we knew this season wasn't going to be perfect. We're lucky that this is only happening now. I think the NHL has to take a stance of we're going to cut you guys off to preserve the rest of our season. Unless, Corey, unless you have, you can think of some sort of genius way in which they can turn this around and Vancouver finishes the season like this it's not only that they have COVID this variant makes you vomit and gives you dehydration like it's this is some real shit these guys are going through even if you could reschedule it I don't know if these guys are going to be able to play after that yeah oh I can definitely see like some like they're probably going to lose a lot of weight, especially if they're in like the if, if they're like vomiting heavily and shit. They're not going to be able to keep any food down. Um, I mean, if they if they suspend their season, it's not the end of the world. It's it's a it's a health. It's it, you know it's thinking about the health. Um, at this point, we're for us, you know, we're the furthest back in our division at thirty four games, and we still got twenty two games to play. So, um, most of the league is, is, is above, you know, they have less than that. So I'm thinking, um, Vancouver is like six points out of the fucking, out of, out of playoffs at this point. Um, everyone below, I wouldn't say everybody below them, but, um, Calgary and Hollywood are basically in the same position. They're going to have to go on a tear to catch us. And we just got to win a couple of games to, to maintain it. But uh, if Vancouver is this bad off and you don't want to shut the entire fucking league down, shut the team down. Exactly. I, I hate to say it. You know, like, um, it sucks because, like, if this was the beginning of the season, um, like we saw with the Devils where they took, like, I think it was, like, 16 days off, it was probably mm-hmm. still doable. You know, like, they might they might not finish with an entire season. Or they might, you know, I don't know how I haven't really watched much US games. Um but I think it just sucks because it's hitting Canada at the fucking end. And then this is when we're gonna see, you know, there could be a possibility coming up soon. Like this team might be fucking just a few points out, you know, two games back. And um to to continue the league, they might just 
forfeit the rest of their their games, you know. And hopefully, hopefully they uh, like that's probably the end game. Hopefully they just let uh, Vancouver quarantine and um, see 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 where it goes from there. You know, um, I think I think it's just tough. It's, it's getting close to the end, and I think the league it wants to finish the season. That's priority over. Um, telling the team they're sorry, they have they have to be you know eliminated from the rest of the season, you know, to to save the entire season. I, I think it's it's less about hockey now too, and more about yeah, yeah. COVID the, the control. Health, yep. Um, because Canada did get a, Canada did a really great job. You know, they um they held it together. Vancouver kind of puts a, a stigma on it, but not really like this. Variants kind of pop up, I guess. I don't. I think we all know every people that contract this virus. The more possibilities for variants Mm -hmm. there are, because the virus mutates more. Each time it spreads, it can mutate. (laughs) That's the problem when you have this. Like, think about it: the coronavirus or COVID nineteen, whatever we're supposed to call it, has been around for over a year now right? Like almost a year and a half. It's had a lot of time to change and adapt. And I think something like this was inevitable to say the least. Like we, we knew getting into this NHL season, something like this was going to happen. And there was no way we were going to go through an entire season without um, this because the the virus is still around, you know, like there was still, everyone knew that something down the line was going to be like, fuck, it's going to be – they're going to have to make a serious decision, you know. Save it's the, so save ridiculously the season contagious, or, too. Yeah. Like, I I personally – I haven't so far, knock on wood, been around much with COVID. I live in a small town, right? It's a small town, boy. <laughs> but, like, it's – if you – I think we all forget because it's been so long how all scared we all were at the start because this it's so contagious and I just I think it's really just incredible that the NHLs went this long without something happening um I'm kind of just wondering like how does the NHL go about like, how does the NHL change from here? Right. Cause we see all the time coaches taking off their masks and all this other shit. Normally, you know, I, w- I was like, whatever, like I do that too, but you think they'd have to make a statement after this, right? Like you guys need to fucking focus on hockey. You can't do anything. Like if you want this season to play. Right. And I just want to highlight how fucking ignorant and just sheerly stupid DJ Smith's actions were the other night, throwing, (laughs) taking out his gum with his mask off and throwing it into the stands. Not only is it just rude, like, man, come on. But when you've just had the news of what Vancouver's doing, it just seems blind. It seems oblivious to the situation that you're going to do that. Well, it, like, furthers your point on, like, just how much we don't care anymore. Like, society's over it. You know, they're, they're, they're following the rules, but don't give a fuck about the rules, you know? Well, does, and- does it not say a lot about Ottawa's fucking organization that you see – the owner fucking i understand your emotions <laughs> just whipping like some coffee or whatever all over the floor <laughs> and you see the, co- the coach doing that like what a trash can organization ottawa's become i i get that i'm i'm overreacting here just to be a dick but i i think like the league really needs to start cracking down dominic ducharme is you know a um fuck what is it i can't think of the word he does it all the time too he takes his mask off every coach does none of them are innocent of it they're all guilty but i think just all in all the league needs to kind of say okay guys like we can't have this happen again right like the canucks are probably out and 
you know, that's just going to hurt. It's going to hurt the league if we lose another team. I, I imagine some type of uh, health, the health board or, or whatever for the NHL safety has probably has to watch tape on Vancouver and look for any any type of shit like like that, like throwing gum, you know, like like masks off and like. Well, you'd have to imagine the government will step in soon too, right? Mm-hmm. You think like Canada, the Canadian federal government, and I believe the provincial governments were involved as well. They took a lot of convincing to allow the seven day quarantine, like for the or seven day working quarantine for their mm-hmm. players, right? This is not going to help. No. They can revoke that. <laughs> they're they're they're. This isn't the NHL. They can they can't you know, implement a rule, then instantly overturn it. It's the Canadian government. They can do whatever the fuck they want in this situation, especially in, when you consider it's a national health risk. And I think the NHL has to look at that as well because they fought really hard to get this uh, seven-day working quarantine. And if we keep getting guys, you know... Um, Eric Stahl wouldn't be here if Vancouver did yeah, this exactly. shit a week ago. Like. Exactly, 100%. He'd be back in buff. No, he'd be with some U.S. team. But um, no, you're right. And I guess uh, I guess like the last thing on it that I have um is that like I wouldn't say it would make sense for Vancouver, but like I just remember when this stuff really started happening last year. Um, Vancouver had so many fucking anti-masker fucking parades and whatever you protest walks and shit like that. And, and it's like, not like beating down on the city or their fans or their players. Um, but it's just like, they were like the forefront for like, I guess some U S viewers to see, like that was like Canada's bad boy. Like the, that was the fucking region they kept showing of people like that were just like not putting up with any, mask mandates or, or like safety where was this sorry vancouver yeah so i had to i had to step out no you started like fucking shredding, shredding paper your fucking dad head. walter is out of out of his mind again walter we're um, going with walter yep aaron uh but yeah no so like i just remember a lot of vancouver in the very beginning they were like very against what was going on and i'm not saying that that's what's going on but like it makes like a someone who's far away think, okay, well, like I'm piecing the, you know, the pieces together. I don't think the players or the, the families were like that because they're not going to jeopardize their husband's career or season, you know, but like that is, it almost makes sense sadly because for, for us watching from the U S like that was like, I wouldn't say it was the hot spot, but like it was all over Twitter it was all over the news. Uh, Vancouver seemed to be the one that, the news had isolated on as the ones that were like really not following along could be wrong, but like, that's what I saw, you know, and it just sucks. You, you know, they got like probably, you know, less than less than 20 games left, you know, and they might not get a chance to finish out the season. And I mean, they are six points behind us, you know, it's three, three fucking wins, but they might not get a chance to fucking even, even produce that, you know? And it's, yeah. And it's frustrating. I think, too if you're a vancouver canucks fan this team was really good last year Mm -hmm. they're supposed to be really good this year obviously they lost some key additions and some key mainstays of that squad from last year losing markstrom uh losing tanev uh some guy named tyler toffoli yeah that's gotta hurt but they still look at that roster they're still really good yeah i fucked Um, up and drafted pd this year i drafted pd too but i uh i are I flipped him for, I think I flipped him for Victor Hedman, and now he's going to be out for the year. So, oh my god, not a have bad deal for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah. Let's, get, we, let's get the fuck out of this you, grimy shit. I've I've already yeah, put we, on hand sanitizer. Let's fucking move. <laughs> um, Montreal's game last night. Uh, whew. I don't know where to begin. Uh, well, from the fucking beginning. Uh, game starts, we get a double minor. Well, believe it or not, I missed uh, the first period because I was at work. Well, to just – Color like, yourself shocked. 
I'm not shocked anymore. But uh, yesterday was our anniversary, <laughs> and we were cooking. We were cooking and stuff. Um, but I had to listen to it on my fucking on my you know on the NHL app. Shout out NHL app, I guess. Um, and the, the game fucking started, and immediately, um, Brendan Gallagher got a double minor, and they scored almost instantly. Um, and we were able to hold off the second one. Tyler Toffoli comes in and fucking it's like as if he wasn't gone. In fact, he's been gone for two entire fucking weeks. Um, and I'm just surprised that in those two weeks, he never really moved that far down in, uh, in scoring. And he scores his 19th of the season and he's back in fucking fourth place. So. It just shows you how much of a tear he was on in the beginning. But uh, comes back from his, I think it was a groin injury, and immediately um, just finds his rhythm. And it's amazing because it just felt right off the bat like it was going to be one of those nights. We were going to be coming from behind, and um, it's exactly what it is. We, It wasn't that Ottawa was playing really good. We were just doing shit to cost us our game the entire night. And I, I don't even think we played that bad. Like there were periods in which our puck movement and our possession were phenomenal, especially with um, that new Cockney line, mm-hmm. and Romanov and Mete. There were multiple shifts where they were in the Ottawa zone, just fucking darting the puck around, making great plays, had some great chances. I want to give some credit to Anton Forsberg. He played good, played really good. Um, but I also think Montreal just gave up chances and Ottawa capitalized. We could have played better, I admit. We didn't play great, but we didn't play horrible. I think Ottawa just capitalized on their chances. It's tough to drop that game against the Senators, but I think part of which part of the reasoning in which to why we dropped it is because they're not a good team, but they can surprise you. They play hard, they're fast, they don't take nights off that team. And Montreal did a little bit. Um, It was a little unfortunate. Like, I saw a lot of people blaming Carey Price, and I don't know how I really feel about that. I think, um, like, three of the goals were deflections. One was an empty netter. Brady Kachuk on the power play, kind of no one was covering. Like, you know what I mean? They're obviously some Yeah, but the the power play one was so early, it was like Carey Price probably wasn't even, like, fully into the game yet. You know, he he really – I don't, he might have had like two, you know. I don't even know if he got two shots on him before. I don't you know, want the power play started. I don't want to totally excuse him, but I didn't like this instant. Let's jump on the back of Carey Price. Oh my God, he let in five goals. Like no, like no, I don't off. think so. Um, it it's things like Connor Brown shorthanded goal that really just like devastated us. Right, That's we get tough. back into the game with Tyler Toffoli, and then. Um, just a mismatch in front of the net, shorthanded goal. I want. We had that blown def- tough game for Jeff Petrie, by the way. Minus four, had that blown coverage with KK. Mm-hmm. I think that's just that's less on Petrie, more on KK. Um, he needs to. That's just a young. That's a young guy's mistake, right? You well, don't. Since you, yeah. Continue. Continue. My bad. You don't chase there. Petrie's got that. You you don't mm-hmm. leave the man out in front of the net. That's just a young mistake. That, that'll go away with time and experience. And a guy like Eric Stahl, who's coming in now, isn't gonna isn't gonna leave that guy open. Right. But also, I think it's it's due with coming to play a team like Ottawa. It's a team that's gonna that just plays such a a wild a wild style. Like, well, what do uh, they have to lose? Right? Exactly. So like, it's easy to combobulate a, a fucking younger guy like. We're already looking at the mess we've already put ourselves in. So now your your you know your senses are heightened to to any type of bullshit. Um, it's just you know it got the best of us. But uh, you brought up Petey and Petrie. Let's not call him Petey. Um, you know we had a lot of backlash on Twitter last night, and we uh, me and you kind of talked, commented a bit about it. Um, about him, him and his partner, like how how his exceptional play was a lot better with Edmondson uh, than it is with Kulak, and um, you know, truthfully, I think it is. It's kind of like he he 
he has to be the safe net for Kulak. And I think Kulak's had a really tremendous season. Um, but I just think that Jeff Petrie was able to do a lot more with Edmondson because Edmondson was kind of like a wall. Like, um, Yeah, I think his offensive have, game is better. Yeah, Edmondson. didn't have to worry about Edmondson, um, you know, not being in position or anything like that. Great stay-at-home defenseman allowed Petrie to to walk out of his area and and dazzle us all season. Um, and then with Kulak, it feels like they're Petrie's constantly like he wants to continue the play style he's done all season, but then has to hurry back and be like the dad on the blue line, which is a shame because they play so well together. Kulak plays phenomenally with Petrie. Yes, they do. But it's like just... we said at the start of the season, Edmondson has opened up Petrie's offense. Petrie is one of one of if not our best players this season, and I think you can't you can't take away his offense, especially I mean, as, a, as a fantasy owner of Jeff Petrie. Yeah, no, I am too. petitioning. <laughs> I Joel need Edmondson back on it. Yeah, but it, it definitely back with him. It definitely makes sense though, because I mean, what was it this entire season? Sherratt and Weber not doing what was needed of a top two pairing. Um, Penalties, 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 you know, blown, blown coverage, you know, not in. And then you move Edmondson up there and Edmondson's helping Weber. And I mean, he's still got, I think he's like plus 30 now, but, you know, they moved Edmondson up to, to help that, you know, the first pairing with Weber and it's working to an extent, but it's definitely, we see that lack from Jeff Petrie. I mean, like still definite Norris candidate, but like, Imagine if we didn't separate him. If we put Mete back up with uh, with Weber and just kept the amazing second line, you know, second second pairing. I just don't want to. Yeah. I don't know. I just I'm just so happy with with Jeff Petrie this year. It's just like to see that things are are kind of slumping. In a sense, it's just like fuck. Like, well, all we got to do is put Edmondson back with him. You know. Yeah, I agree. I think it's an easy switch, but you also got to find two plays with Weber. And I've got to say, the more I watch Weber, the more I'm just concerned about this regression because I don't know if it's just that we haven't found him a good partner that works with him or if it's genuine regression. But Shea Weber's been not not a top-line defender for the majority of the season. And if I could add add anything to this team, it would be adding a left-handed D to play with him. Right. 100% agree with that. Um, it's just sad to start to see that uh, that deadly Triton from last year just really start to show like two dull ed, two dull you know horns on it. Well, um, I do think that it does go, go to show how much we actually do miss. Um, ben Sherratt. Mm-hmm. And once he returns, hopefully, we don't even have a timeline really on him, do we? Um, no. I think yes. I, it originally said four to six weeks, but I haven't heard any new updates on him. I heard once that he might be back sooner rather than later, but I haven't heard anything in a while. Right. So hopefully he's back in time for the playoffs. Um, on, uh, is it Monday? Monday's the. Um, Monday, we will be Eric playing. Stull. Yes. I want to know where you think he's going to be after last night. Well, shit, if you listen to uh, the end of last episode when we had Scott of the Minnesota pod, Soda pod, um, you know, I was kind of like picking his brain a little bit about it. Um, He knows way way more than me about Eric Stahl, obviously, but excuse me. Um, He was asking me where I think we should put him. And, um, you know, I went into it saying, like, you know, we were confused where we even we even slot him. Uh, I brought up possible fourth line, and he shot that down. He shot down um, playing him with, with Gallagher and them. He says uh, he's not going to play that chippy style of game. Uh, that's why he didn't recommend him with Perry. But um, I don't know, dude. It, I, I'm having such a hard time thinking where he can slot in two and two and three because that's his optimum area. Um, for where he's at now, but like that also means, you know, not seeing KK or Suzuki in their top position. Or oh, I even think Eric Stahl plays on the wing. You think so? 
I he mean, I brought goes, it. I either, brought it up to him as well. He either goes to the fourth line center and put Evans on the wing, mm-hmm. or he goes on the wing. He's not replacing the top three. So I'm not. I'm not upset with uh, with Arturi Lekkinen, but um, the previous Senators game, you know, this was this was a locked in two shutouts in a row, and Arturi Lekkinen, you know, draws a penalty in our offensive. You know, and and um, it makes the it makes the justification of you know moving Jake Evans to the to a wing position and bringing Eric Saul on, on the center um, on that fourth line. Uh, I like that, but I wouldn't. I'd be lying if, from what uh, State of Hoppy told me, uh, it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. But um, if he doesn't if he doesn't fit in there, then he's definitely going on a wing position, uh, second second or third line. Second or third line, mm-hmm. on the wing. And who are you replacing? Uh, maybe like Paul Byron if if they keep if they have like uh, Perry. I know that Perry right now, and I'd like to talk to you, understand what you what you thought about his new line. But if they have Perry back on the fourth, and Byron up on the third, I would sit Byron a night and have Eric Stahl come in and put him uh, with like KK. So it'd be like uh, Stahl, KK, uh, to Foley, or okay. Stahl, Suzuki, Anderson. I think that would be a pretty gritty line with someone like Stahl's knowledge to help. Uh, to help move that around. Okay. I am um, personally like after the first few games, I don't really want to touch the top three lines. Cause mm-hmm. I kind of like, I've liked what I've seen. So that's why I kind of have stall on the fourth to start, especially to integrate him into the lineup. Right. And then once we see how he plays, we can determine, I haven't watched but a single Buffalo game this year. I don't think so it was I worth actually, watching. I like, I don't yeah, think, cause, exactly. cause I brought that up to him. I was like, I don't think I could have really learned what to expect from Eric Stahl from Buffalo. So that's why, you know, we had, we had Scott on uh, to, to ask him what it was like in, in Minnesota, because, you know, he was there in Minnesota when things were tough. He was there when they were, they were looking better. So we got like a good optimization look at a guy throughout two major steps in Minnesota. If he was there now, he'd probably fucking dominate, you know, but um, his second highest scoring was uh, I think 2016 season, and that was that wasn't the best season for Minnesota. They did look pretty good, but you know, um, he definitely had to carry a bit of that team. It felt like so. That was I, I'd rather his input on it than try to watch any tape from Buffalo. Yeah, I think that's fair. I no, uh, go ahead. What's that? No, go ahead. No, no, no I was gonna say I, I like I like the idea. You know, like Scott kind of deterred me from it, but I think starting him off on the fourth line. Um, get, getting like a, a an understanding of him. I don't think he necessarily fits in the fourth line. He's not going to be. I just don't think he'll excel in in a checking style line that's more defense oriented. Um, but we got to fit him in somewhere, and the fourth line is our weakest now. So the movement probably will happen there. No, I agree. And I, I think it'll, it's either – as of late, I'd probably say um, – I don't know, dude. It's tough. Like Byron, Lecky, they both they both have been good. They've, I think Le- Lecky is kind of – he's got that dash from the previous game that, like, is sitting in my mind. So I would sit him. But uh, it could be Byron as well that, that takes a seat one night, you know. But I think he'll start on the fourth. And um, I just don't know what to expect from him in that type of position. You know, it's almost like the Fro Leak thing. If Fro Leak started earlier, would he have stayed? You know, would they have moved somebody to keep him in? You just not, you didn't get a, enough enough of a look. And I think that's what's going to bite us is is with Eric Stahl, we're going to have him play in a position he's probably not known for being in, at least in that line. Yeah, Are but we we've really going to get Corey Perry excel in that position. Very true. Very true. Corey Perry is on pace in an 82 game season for 21 goals and 44 points. 
I think you're right. And, and only Tom will really tell is, I guess is what I'm getting at is like the expectation is to see him in a certain slot, but he's going to have to come in on a grind line and, and prove it kind of like Corey Perry did. I think Corey Perry excelled in that shit because he was just such a pest, but um, we'll see. I think Eric Stahl still has a lot in the chamber to show us that, you know, he can be moved around this. He, oh, he could, definitely. he could put up a point to uh, have to have a, do Sean worry about where to really slot him to utilize him to his best, you know? And I'm sure there have been internal discussions. They don't make this trade if they think that, you know, he's just going to be, they don't know where to put him. They know where they want him. So mm-hmm. I guess we'll see when he starts practicing with the team. Um, before we kind of wrap things up here, I want to talk about one last thing. Uh, Cole Caulfield in the AHL. Uh, That's a beautiful jersey. When's he making his debut? Um, dude, I don't have the day. Like, I don't have the totally day either. Memory, but I know I it's against it the Marlies. As we talk, it's two games against the Marlies, and I'm really excited to see who he plays with. Um, you know, we've got some guys who are going off: Lucas Vahemo, Jesse Alone, and Ryan Paling, Jan Mishak. This entire team is going off. Yes. Oh, yes. the. This is the best Laval first in the division. In Come on, like, or sorry, best AHL team. The Laval Rocket are fairly new, but but um, no, so yeah, I think it's I think we all know where we want to put them, you know. But uh, okay, so we got Friday, April the 9th, and then Saturday, April the 10th. Well, fuck, never mind. I'm just talking to my ass. There's four fucking games in a row against the Marlies, spanning from the 9th to the 18th. Starting on the ninth, then sorry, just had a big yawn. Um, slap in. Yeah, the yawning. the ninth, and then what's that? I said you slap in. You're still yawning. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I'm a growing boy. I need my sleep. Oh well, but yeah, I can't. I can't wait to see it. Um, they did the uh, the like jersey. Um, uh, you know, creating his jersey and then the unveil unveiling of his number. Looks super crisp with that double four, double four being plus eight. And then it put me through a fucking ringer yesterday. If you ask Mason, um, like 30 fucking messages on Twitter. I sat for an easy hour, just breaking down numbers as to what he could be. Sticky notes on the wall with like fucking strings connecting them. Trying to formula to figure out Caulfield's NHL. Yeah, well my formula my formula's right and I know what he's gonna fucking be. And it's yeah, gonna be number that? thirteen, dog. I'm fucking calling it. I'm calling you, it. You pick the like if there were betting odds on this, you pick the highest odds. Dude. All right. So I'll just go through this quick and we'll roll out right after this. Um Cole <laughs> Caulfield, right? So he's he's had to my knowledge, he's had four numbers that I can know of, including the new number. Kid sat at 13. This is the U.S. national program. Sat at 13, changed his number due to uh, Max Domi picking up the number 13, switched it to 36. Then, of course, we saw him wear the number eight in Wisconsin. Hobie Baker, fucking phenomenal. You would want him to keep the eight, but right now Ben Sherratt's still holding that, um, you know, Finishes his career in Wisconsin. He's going to take the fucking Hobie or, you know, COVID will just last another five years. Um, we, they turned the jersey around. It's the most beautiful double fours I've ever seen in my life. Sadly, Joel Edmondson's rocking it. And unless Cole Caulfield's about to spend his entire fucking paycheck on a Rolex, I don't see Edmondson fucking walking away from 44. Um, so, shit, man. I, I, I was like, okay, well, if he's going with the double numeral. Uh, the double numbers to fucking make a number. He's got the possibility of 8, 17, 26, 35, 44, 53, 62, 71. All of those motherfuckers are taken. Uh, 53, 62, 71. All people currently on the team. Also with, you know, Ben Chirot, like I said, Joel Edmondson with his number 44. Only one that's truthfully available, number 35 last. Truly one, but someone I could think of uh doesn't matter 35's open right unless we move someone like lekanen or mete 
then hit those other numbers are gone. So I'm like, fuck that. Let's move past that. Number 13's available. He took he got rid of that number out of respect for Max Domi. Max Domi's no longer here. The kid's gonna take 13. We'll move on. Uh 36 is also available. You also have never been worn numbers. Kid could plot his own fucking destiny here and go with 66, 69, 50, 87, 96, 97, 98. Um, sadly, he's a 01 birthday. Makes me feel old as fuck. Um, but truthfully, his best possible numbers, 13, 35, 36, or any of the fucking unused numbers unless someone gets moved. So I'm going with 13 is circled. That's my fucking pick for him. And I'm going to have absolute sunset with it. No disagreements with that take. It's going to be 13. 44 is like such an ugly number. It's, it's really, fun. it's really not. It's really not. It in the NHL, name a number 44. Joel Edmondson. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I and meant. That's it. <laughs> you know what I meant. Yeah, no, it's it's not the flashiest, but you know what? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this kid, like, so this is the thing. He's with a very traditional team. I could see him picking, you know, uh, a low number, but at the same time, he's such a flashy kid. I can see him picking a brand new number and starting that legacy of that number with his team, 69. Uh, but Bergman's not getting <laughs> Dude, Bergman's like, you got a lot of balls, and then Cole Caulfield's signature smile, and he's going to give him that fucking number, but no. Uh, I think 13 is going to fit super well with him. Like, it's tough. There's so many great numbers that equal to eight. And I love that he chose that in in Laval. But, uh, you know, going into this, dude, it was such a fun process to to waste an entire day looking at this. But, um, you know, Josh Brook wears the eight for Laval. So he couldn't have that. Uh, I thought maybe 26, 26. You know, Jeff Petrie's got that here. Uh, Jesse's got it in Laval. Fucking, I don't know. I just had I just had a really fun day, wasting my time, like driving myself insane. But um, I enjoyed it. <laughs> but uh, I've come to the terms that it's going to be thirteen. And if you guys think otherwise, please send it to us on Twitter. We're probably going to open up a um, some type of contest for it. So lock it in now. Corey says number thirteen. I agree with him. We're going with 13. And do you have anything else to add before we wrap things up today, bud? I had an interesting night last night, so it's really truthfully up to you. Are you too tired to listen to how I I made my anniversary amazing and then ruined it by the group wanting to play Mario Party? (laughs) Let's hear it. All right, dude. Super sick. So I went out. I bought a bunch of bunch of steaks and stuff uh my wife wanted to have dinner with uh my best friend her best friend is his girlfriend so me and my homie matt went out and bought a bunch of steaks funny as shit you know like who buys steaks the day before easter because you know that shit's already going we found four very beautiful ribeyes matt doesn't like fat he's a fucking idiot anyway so he got a really ugly looking one and i got two pristine looking ones cooked that all up asparagus little Caesar salad uh, I marinated them in Gales, which is a very southern sodium-oriented fucking marinade that everyone loves except for me. Food was great. No one used sauce. That's the fucking, you know, like the God's honest truth. You you did a great job. Everybody was loving it, digging it. I'm listening to the game. We're fucking sucking it, but that's all right. You know, it's my anniversary. Me and my wife are doing good. Um, having a couple of beers, listening to some fucking metal. They're watching some scary bullshit, and they come into the room, and they're like, hey, guys want to play a game? And I'm like, not really interested because it's just going to get too fucking competitive. <laughs> they come in with fucking Mario Party. Me and Matt not really feeling it. I think Matt's girl calls Matt a expletive P-U, and then, you know, the rest of the words. I don't know if I can say that or if you guys are comfortable with me saying that. She calls him that. Matt's got the fucking the flaming eyes. He's ready to kill. And I'm just ready to aggravate people, I guess, at this point, because that's just what I do when I play Mario Party. So, as always, I pick fucking Monty Mole because he's the fucking truth. 
going into this, you must know that I won the previous the previous time we played, and it's the reason we haven't played for two months because I'm a troll and I fucking get under people's skin and I laugh at them when they fuck up. The same entire thing happened yesterday. I had one star. I had two golden pipes. I fucking got another star. I stole a star. I used both my pipes. I got five fucking stars. I'm laughing at people. They're calling me Monty Troll. They're fucking cursed at me. My wife's kicking me in the back of my fucking head with her aggravating ass little feet because she's pissed because she's now not in first. Uh, left that place as a fucking champion, a defending champion. And uh, our night went from amazing to them forcing me to piss everyone off at that party. I had a great night. Everyone else didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't my fault. I told them as I was leaving, I had the finger up in the air, let them know I'm the champ. And I looked at everyone just disturbed and pissed off in that room. And I said, this is all y'all's fucking fault. We played this game. I closed the door. They stepped up to the champ and couldn't take the heat. I'm just an asshole, dude. I don't I don't know why. I get like 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 a very childish laugh produces in my gullet when I play this fucking game. Cause when people fuck up, they can't take it. And they 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 steal my coins, they steal my stars the entire game. But all I do is just collect money, collect items, and fuck everybody at the end of the game. So kudos to my wife. Happy anniversary. Uh she didn't want to talk to me when we got back to the house. <laughs> oh my lord. I guess that's it, folks. Let's uh, let's wrap it the fuck up. Uh, thank y'all so much for listening. This has been Habs Nightly. Please follow us both at Habs Nightly on Twitter and Bayou Benders on Twitter. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you guys Thursday. And we'll see y'all later. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Corey Francia. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually, they actually make me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network.